Welcome back to the Coffee and Foils podcast. I'm your host, Simone, bringing you the client's perspective from the other side of the chair. On this week's episode, I'm actually interviewing a fellow stylist. Stephanie is my friend and coworker who went through an extensive training program. Think of it like getting your master's in cosmetology. Keep listening to hear how Stephanie figured out she would need to take a step back in her career to take a step forward and how she fell in love with being part of a team. Hey, Stephanie, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. So the reason I'm having you on today is because we work together and you went through the training program that we have at the salon. Um, And for those listening, I am essentially the director of our training program. So I have a lot to do with it. Um, I know a lot about it. And I thought that Stephanie would be a great example for anybody who might be listening out there who is at the start of their career or maybe feeling stuck where they are so that we can kind of talk about what went wrong in her career and what went right and what led her to make the decision to go to a new salon and trust in a training program and all the benefits of that and kind of like what to look for in a salon because I feel like when you're starting, you don't always know what's valuable at the beginning until you've been through it. So I have been really excited to do this. We've been talking about this for weeks, maybe over a month. I don't know because it's not often that people have been through the bad stuff to get to the good stuff. Some people just fall into the good stuff. Some people might still be in the bad stuff and they might not even realize they're in the bad stuff. So before we officially begin, Steph, I want you to tell the story of what you were doing with yourself, the beginning of your adult life, the jobs that you had and what didn't work and what brought you to go to beauty school in the first place. Yeah. Well, it's quite a journey. It's a little long, but I'll try to keep it concise. So I was a paralegal for seven years before I was in the beauty industry, which is a very, very different life. Um, For me, it just wasn't for me. The office world was not for me. So before I took the leap into beauty school, I actually tried to change office jobs for a little while. I took a job as an event coordinator at a nonprofit. And I thought, If this works, then I know it's not just offices. Maybe it was just that specific career. Turns out it was all offices. So I did that for about two years. And then one day I was on my lunch break and I drove by a beauty school (laughs) and I literally went inside and signed up for beauty school, did not consult with anyone in my life, just (laughs) walked in the doors, signed the papers. And I said, I'm going to start beauty school in a few weeks. And that was, that was that. Um, I actually went in because I thought I wanted to do makeup. And then I was talking to someone who worked there and they said, you should just do cosmetology because then you can do makeup, you can do aesthetics, you can do nails, you can do this, that, and you can do hair. And I was like, okay, we'll give it a shot, you know? So I always knew I wanted to do something creative and that just felt like the right move for me at that time. All right. Yeah. You know, I never heard that story. (laughs) Obviously I knew that you didn't start off in beauty school, like right out of high school. Um, And I knew you did some of the paralegal stuff, but I didn't know. I don't think I knew that you signed up for beauty school, like on your lunch break. Yep. I did it. That's that's pretty intense. I love that. It's It's very me. If you know me, then that's very me. Um, Okay. So after that, you started beauty school just a few weeks later. And just give me like a, a quick little tidbit about, you know, where you saw yourself while you were in beauty school. Did you start working while you were still in school? You know, the yeah. So I started school. I signed up for nights and Saturdays because I wanted to get it done quickly, but I still had to work. So I was still working at the office and I started in my class at night. And my teacher actually gave us this speech about like how if you're still working in an industry that's not beauty, but you're in beauty school, you're wasting your time because you're going to have to assist for this long and yada, yada. And you know, all these scary things. And I'm like, this lady doesn't know what she's talking about. I actually really love her. And she was an amazing teacher, but from day one, she didn't have me from day one. You know what I mean? So I was like, 
I don't know what this woman's talking about, but I have to make a living. Like I have to pay my way through beauty school. I can't just like quit my job and start as an assistant. I don't even know what that world is like. Well, long story short, I got laid off from my job. So I didn't have a choice. Oh. <laughs> so after that happened, I was like, I guess I have to just start working in a salon. That makes the most sense for the next step. So I got a job as an assistant at a salon and I worked like the same, pretty much the same schedule that I would have been working at my office job. So I was working there during the day and then going to school at night, three nights a week until like 10 o'clock at night, my whole day Saturday. So it was like a very hectic time, but it was, I think it was the most efficient way to get it done as quickly as possible while still working full time. Yeah. It sounds like it for sure. Yeah. You were also like at a different place in your life. When I went to beauty school, I was 19 and I was like, you know, not a care in the world. (laughs) Like gas was 20 bucks and I went and I finished everything in like seven and a half months, you know, Mm -hmm. but you were an adult. Yep. I was 29 (laughs) when I signed up. I celebrated my 30th birthday as a beauty school student. I was like, I don't even know what's happening in this life right now. Um, But it was honestly the best decision I've ever made because I'm so much happier now. I love that I can go to my job and like not hate it every day. Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a crazy concept. (laughs) Um, So that actually is a great segue, I suppose, into kind of what happened after beauty school. So you did say, so you got your first job at a salon as an assistant while you were in school. Mm-hmm. Were you still at that job when you graduated? How long did you stay there for? So yes. on. So I felt very supported by my salon. I had a really nice group of people and I made a lot of really good friends there that I'm still in touch with. And I felt like it made sense to me I'm a loyal person. So it made sense to me to finish school and give them a shot at, do you want me to stay here and become a stylist? Because everyone knew it was my goal to finish quickly, to get on the floor quickly. Like I'm 30, like I got to get this stuff going, you know? So I stuck it out there until I was done with beauty school. And then I had that awkward conversation with my boss and I told him like, you know, I'm ready for the next level here. And he said basically that they don't have a chair for me. Um, and he said something crazy to me. He said, but if you want to go out and build a clientele, we'll always have a, a spot for you to come back. So basically he was telling me, you have no clients. Sorry. Like <laughs> without any clients, we can't put you on the floor. And I'm like, how do you get clients? Like, this is where it really took a turn for me. I'm like, how do you get clients if you don't have a chair, but you can't get a chair if you don't have clients? Like, can someone explain this to me? (laughs) Right. So I won't, I won't jump ahead to the next thing, but that's exactly why I was looking for a program like the one that I found because it's, it answers that question for you. Okay. So I definitely want to get to maybe what happened after that, but I want to elaborate maybe at that salon. So you felt supported, meaning like they all wanted the best for you. They were like a family. Yeah, absolutely. So if I'm allowed to interject here for a second, Mm -hmm. uh, part of the story is that I had actually come to the beauty school to do class Mm -hmm. with a couple other girls from the salon. And you were super interested, not like, not like in, in working for us, but you were just like super interested in the class and you were super involved and you asked a million questions and you were like, so cute and little with the biggest glasses I've ever seen. And I was like, I need this girl to like be my friend or work with me or just, I don't know, follow me on Instagram. Like I needed to have some part of you. And you had asked a lot of questions and you seem to be interested in the, in the training program that we had, but I remember you saying like, no, I'm working somewhere now. And if I ever leave, like you weren't even sold on the fact that you were going to, Mm -hmm. but you were just like, if I do, I need to give this my best shot first. And I kind of always wondered in my head why you stayed, but what you just said made so much sense that like you were loyal, you wanted to give them a chance. Mm -hmm. Now, did they offer you any training? No. So, um, it was a very kind of like old school sort of mom and pop situation and any stylist that they hired always came with the following. So it seemed like they were more interested in 
just running a functional hair salon and not really having to worry so much about training a new stylist or having somebody sit there who doesn't have anyone in their books for the day. So it wasn't in that sense, it wasn't very nurturing career wise, but it was in the sense that I felt like everyone genuinely cared that I do well. And like when I left, there was literally no hard feelings. It was like, they were, they were there for me for that part of my journey. You know how they say with friends, sometimes it's like, they're there for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Yes, They they were there for my beauty school season and they were supportive of me in that time. And they celebrated all of the things that needed to be celebrated. My friend Robert from that salon gave me my first pair of shears when I graduated beauty school. I could cry thinking about it. Like it's so sweet and thoughtful. (laughs) My friend Lisa there was like always in my corner. Kristen, like all these people, they were just the people who were like, my cheerleaders, you know what I mean? So even if it meant that I wasn't going to grow up there, they were just happy for me. So in that sense, when I saw your demo and I loved you guys and I thought you guys were so cool and the whole thing, it's totally sounded like a thousand percent what I wanted to do, but I felt this commitment to them. Like I can't just leave them hanging. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that's also just like a really beautiful beginning to your career. Yeah. I know it didn't stay beautiful for long. (laughs) We'll get into that, but I really love that just sounds like it was a really beautiful experience and way for you to start everything, knowing that there could be people in this industry that Mm -hmm. will lift you up and not just, you know, stomp all over you. So when you left there, where did you go? So after that, I decided I was going to give my give it a shot at, I had just gotten my license and I was just so eager to touch hair. I wanted to do hair. I didn't want to wash any more hair. <laughs> so I, I took a job at a blowout bar um, because I just wanted to be, I knew that that was the type of place I had gone to the beauty show in the city. I had met with a representative from one of the companies and they said, Basically, it sounded like the perfect thing for somebody who was eager to get their hands in in there and somebody who was new to the industry. So it was like the perfect fit. Like they wanted new people. They wanted to train them the way they wanted to do it. It's like a pretty corporate kind of thing. So I did the training there and I was able to start working on people like right away, which I was really, really excited about. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't last very long because... I knew that I didn't want to just do blowouts for the rest of my life. Um, I wanted to cut hair. I wanted to color hair. I wanted to be at some place that wasn't departmentalized and I wanted more, but it was a really good stepping stone because I got some real life experience doing blowouts, which is like always kind of the entry level situation when you're new in this business. So I, I do feel that it was a really good stepping stone, but maybe not. I knew I couldn't, it wasn't going to last forever, you know? Okay. So yeah, like you said, it was just like a really good way for you to like get your feet wet, Mm -hmm. conversing with clients on a personal level and not just like, here I am shampooing your hair. Exactly. Um, And did you feel like you were good at blowouts? I feel like when I started there, okay, so I had to audition (laughs) (laughs) like, be an employee there, which was the scariest day of literally my entire life. (laughs) I was so scared to do a blowout in front of these people that worked at this place that specialized in blowouts. I was like, are you kidding me? So I was literally like, so terrified that day. And I went in and I did the audition and it went pretty well. And I was, I knew I wasn't amazing at blowouts. Like I'm not I'm really not like that. I'm pretty humble. I, d- I don't think I'm very like, I'm pretty realistic about my work. Like well, I can look I'm at not it really and- great at anything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I suck at everything. No, but I think I can like look at my work objectively and be like, this was good. This was not so good. Or this is what I need to improve on. Or, you know, I don't look at it like, oh, it's my work. I look at it like it's work that I could really look at it objectively, I feel. So I think... I thought there was some potential there, but definitely needed improvement. And in the short while that I was there, I do feel like I genuinely improved. And I feel like that's part of my, my story, part of my journey that made me be able to get to where I am now, because 
I was able to have that hands-on experience carried over from, you know, I'm on the floor at beauty school and I'm doing clients at beauty school and then you're back and you're assisting and now you're not doing hair anymore. Right. You know what I mean? So now I was like doing some hair, which was like, it's kind of like the junior, the junior stylist, the assistant blowout, that kind of thing. Right. So I do think that it was like a good place to, to grow and, and work on my blowouts. Not that, you know, they were not perfect, but. <laughs> <laughs> but they were good enough for like where they you were. They were fine. Okay. Yeah. And then where did you go from there? So after that, I decided I was going to try a regular hair salon again and see if I could get like a junior stylist position somewhere. So I took an interview with this person that I, I guess I was set up on and I was like a blind date kind of. (laughs) So I was set up on this weird Starbucks interview with this person that I had never met, never saw the salon, nothing like that. It just was kind of like, I was ready to make a change. And somebody was like, oh, you should talk to so-and-so. And I took the meeting and I was just like, okay, let's do this. You know? So I met her and everything seemed great. She had, you know, talked a lot about her salon and it sounded really nice. And it was a junior stylist position. So I was like really excited that it would be a transition. But she said that I couldn't work at another salon if I was going to take the job. So I had to leave the blowout bar. But I thought it was it was a good move in the right direction. So I left the blowout bar. I took this job and I started there. And it lasted all of a month and a half. So this job promised on the job training, but you're going to be doing clients right away. It was summertime. Oh, you'll be on the floor full-time by Christmas. We'll teach you this. We'll teach you that. We have educators in-house. They educate with this so-and-so company, yada, yada, yada. The whole thing, the big promises. Um, So when I got there, I started doing some training with the owner of the salon And she was having me do a keratin treatment. I got certified online. I did all the training. I read all the things. I was all excited to do this. It was just a hairline keratin. This was going to be like an easy one, two, three. Like, we're just going to put this on. We're going to flat iron her. She's going to look great by the time she leaves here. So I apply the product and the client starts to have an allergic reaction right away. So... I'm freaking out, of course, because I'm like, I'm brand new here. My first client basically is having an allergic reaction to a product that I just learned how to use, you know? So I go to my boss and I'm like, I don't know what to do because it's really her client. I mean, it's not really my client. It's it's her client. I said, I don't know what to do. She's turning really red. She said her, her scalp is on fire and she's really, really uncomfortable. So my boss goes over to the client and says... So, you know, like what's going on? She repeats everything that she told me and she, and my boss says to the client, well, you might as well just let us flat iron it. Otherwise this was all for nothing. Like basically telling her like, can you just suffer through it? Otherwise you just had an allergic reaction. And also you didn't get a keratin Oh, because the service was not complete. And I'm like, this person is sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) You can't say that to somebody like, and, and in that moment I was like, okay, I'm done with this. I don't know what the next move is, but I'm done with this. So we had a conversation after the client left. She flat ironed her, whatever, whatever. Oh, she also instructed me to put milk on her to calm the allergic reaction, which obviously did nothing because it's milk. Um, (laughs) So whatever, she does this. We do the flat iron. She does the service. We shampoo her. She didn't die, whatever. She leaves. And so we have a conversation. She did not die. Um, her hair didn't fall out. Everything was, I guess, as fine as it could be. So we have a conversation after the client leaves and I'm thinking, I'm thinking my boss is going to come to me and be like, it's okay. These things happen. People have allergic reactions. It's all good, whatever, whatever. She comes up to me and she says, she had that allergic reaction because you applied the product wrong. You applied it from her part down towards the ear instead of applying it from the hairline back towards the crown of the head. That's why she, yeah, that's why she had the allergic reaction. Not because she's actually allergic to the product, but because I applied it wrong. So she gaslit me after I just had the worst experience behind the chair. And I was just like, this is it. I'm done. I'm really done. So that's when I think I reached out to you on Instagram. It's like when I took that job, I somehow forgot about 
this wonderful demo that I saw <laughs> while I was in beauty school. Like, I don't know. I think I was just so desperate for the next step that I completely forgot that I had a plan. It all happened so fast. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, okay. You had this whole life. You went to beauty school. You, then you worked in three different salons. Yep. Before landing with me. Um, yes. <laughs> and so, so it's kind of like to sum up your experience up until that point was nurturing, but no training and no promise for the future. Uh, and then again, some training, some client interaction, but no room for growth. And then what sounds like a terrible experience because you were promised training. Did you get any training? All, I don't know if I gave them enough time to actually give me some real training, but I will tell you one other quick, quick, short little thing about, so they let me bring in a, a friend to do a haircut on, and it was a haircut that I had never done. And I had expressed to some of the other girls, like I was nervous about doing a haircut, whatever, whatever, but it was my friend. So it wasn't a big deal. They instructed me to do all these things. And then I was like, at a certain point stuck, like didn't know what else needed to be done. So when all was said and done, it took me two hours to do this haircut, which is like extraordinarily long, as you know, that's like at least double the amount of time that things like that should take. And then again, I was like reprimanded for like taking that long to do the haircut. And I'm thinking, you guys promised me that you were going to help me with this. Then you got busy with other clients. So it didn't actually take me two hours to do the haircut. It was like me standing there waiting for somebody to help me. So it just was like a lot of disorganization, a lot of well-intentioned people, but not a lot of follow through. Okay. So no, I didn't yeah. <laughs> receive the training. I was still does feel like a broken promise in the end. It is. It is. Yeah. Okay. So we can kind of, before we go into what worked, you know, what started to work and, and how that process was for you. Um, a lot of this is like what you don't want in a salon, right? Mm -hmm. And like a lot of this is, yes, what Stephanie doesn't want in a salon, but I right. would imagine that anybody starting out could easily have very similar experiences. And I think you were lucky in terms of the first salon being so supportive and so great and so kind. And so like, you're welcome back here anytime and you left on good terms. I don't know if many people get to have that opportunity and that experience, Mm -hmm. But I do, I would imagine that a lot of people graduating beauty school who want to get their hands in hair end up somewhere like a blow dry bar yeah. um, and maybe end up there for a long time because maybe not everybody is as desperate to advance as you were. Um, it could have been because you were 30, mm -hmm. right? I could only imagine if someone were like 19, 20 years old at a beauty school starts a blow dry bar, starts getting a regular paycheck and client interactions, um, how that could be deceiving. And I mean, for some people, it might be great. So I am not bashing a blow dry bar at all, but you know. No, same, totally. I, yeah. I just personally wanted more. Right. That's, and that's I, what I'm I totally get what you mean. Like if you don't want to end up, for me, it was a good stepping stone. For someone else, it might be a lifetime thing if that's what they're truly passionate about. But I knew that I wanted to try everything. So I feel like the number one question people ask you when you're in beauty school is, what do you want to do? Do you like color or do you like cutting? And I, every single time I was like, I don't know. I right. don't know how to answer that question because I haven't done enough of both to know what I like better. To this day, I don't know which one I like better. And I've been on the floor how long now? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just a hard question to answer for somebody to ask you to choose when you don't even know yet. Right. So for someone to get out of beauty school and land somewhere like a blow dry bar and stay there for a really long time, they're really not exploring their horizons, I suppose, if that's the right way to yeah. say it. But I do want to say like a disclaimer, some people really love doing blowouts and mm -hmm. that could be an amazing career, especially if yeah. Somewhere a little more corporate and organized, and you get the training to do the service that you're supposed to be doing. I can imagine that that would be fantastic. But for someone who knows that they want to do more services and to offer more and to be a little more well rounded, that wasn't going to give you what you needed. And then you went to a salon that was incredibly disorganized, did a lot of gaslighting, which probably 
could have been done in a more professional way because you were a beginner and you were clear about the fact that you were a beginner and that you needed help, but you did feel ready to do some hair. And those two things can happen simultaneously. It's like someone can feel ready to start their career while getting a little bit of assistance in said career. And it seems like they just didn't know what to do with you. Yeah. Like you tell me to bring in a model and then no one has time to help me with the model. The time was not set aside like it is in the program that we have in our salon. The time is set aside. If you schedule a model, it's not during a busy work day. Right. That's not the time to tell someone to bring in a model. Right. But who was I to know? I didn't know. They said, bring in a model. I brought in a model. But you have to have the time set aside to actually work with the person on that model. Or else they end up doing the haircut for two hours and looking like uh, they take way too long. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So all of these experiences essentially led you to remembering that there was that awesome salon with that cool girl named Simone (laughs) that helped teach that demo because I wasn't the only one there. I can't take all the credit. That promised a training program. And so by this point, you realized that you did need training and you wanted a promise of being on the floor, right? So like you were willing to kind of take a step back and maybe not do as much hair as you had been used to but still some hair because that's an important part of the training program to get the proper training and confidence and and all of that stuff. So, right. So all three of these experiences that you had had led you to realizing what you needed to be successful. Exactly. I always knew that I needed training, but by the end of those experiences, I knew I needed somebody to say, if you do X, Y, and Z, you will be a hairstylist by the end of it. And that's what the program did. We said, okay, 40 weeks or however long it is. And by the end of that, you will be on the floor. And I was like, well, that sounds perfect. That's what I needed. Somebody to say, this is what you need to learn. We have a whole list of all the things that you need to learn. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to start with easy stuff like styling and single process. Then we're going to work our way through some more complicated stuff. And then at the end, we're going to do all the really hard stuff. And by the end of it, Whatever sits in that chair, you're going to be ready to do it. That's a really easy way to describe it. <laughs> it takes <laughs> a little more work than that. <laughs> I'm going to like take a little sound clip out of this and just send that to people who want to know about yes, how we I love it. People. No, but it's, it's true. It's like somebody laid out the agenda for me. That's what I needed. I needed organization. Yeah. I needed structure. Yeah. And it's like, how can you truly argue that, right? Because you're like, well, you know what? I do need to learn all of those things and I do really need to perfect it. And I do need to like build my confidence and my skills and my business building. So yeah, if you can tell me that I can learn all of that and then I can be on the floor and like be on my own, who wouldn't want that, right? Yeah, totally. So, okay, let's go back. So you came to work at the salon that we are both at right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And you got hired assuming, because I can't remember, even though I'm pretty sure that I hired you. Was it me? It was you. Okay. Sorry. You said that our interview was like a first date. Yeah. You said our interview was like a first date and it was going really well. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I had like, you know, I had had a crush on you since like that first time. So (laughs) it was just, you know, a dream come true. So I don't remember, did you get into the program right away or was there a little bit of a waiting period? So basically what happened in the interview was we had talked about, basically I was hired for the program, but the program was full. And you said to me, if you can stick it out for 40 weeks and you had already started, it was a few weeks in already, but if I could make it till the end, I was guaranteed a spot in the next round. So I said, okay, even though I was dying to do hair and I had just left this junior stylist whatever. It wasn't even really a junior stylist position. You know what I mean? I had left the blowout bar. I had left all these places where I thought I was going to be a stylist. I wanted to be a stylist yesterday. So I liked the salon so much. I thought the program was so great that I was willing to take the assisting job for the next 40 weeks and set myself back almost another year (laughs) (laughs) so that I could start this program and then do that for another 40 weeks. And then in a year and a half to two years, oh, and we talked about potentially streamlining it and maybe getting through some of it a little bit more quickly. And by the end of that, I would be a stylist. And I said, all right, let's do it. And, and then, then someone dropped out. 
a month later, somebody dropped out and I did a little mental cartwheel and I started the program and, uh, oh, and then a pandemic happened. (laughs) Yep. That happens in the middle of it. Uh, your educator was pregnant. Yep. And left on maternity leave. And in the middle of her maternity leave, a pandemic started. Yep. It was and a little all bumpy. Of that, uh, you finished in a year. Yep, right? I did. Or just a little under? Yeah, I think it was almost exactly a year. I had that one last model I was like hanging in there waiting for. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, bravo. Beautiful story here. <laughs> and so just to kind of like elaborate, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I feel like we're kind of beating a dead horse here, but I want to really, really nail it in. Um, that you, maybe a small part of you knew from the beginning that you did need some kind of training, but graduating beauty school, I think, and like, and really not knowing and not, not having the experience of being in a salon and seeing how salons work, maybe it wasn't so super obvious to you that to be in a dedicated training program was the way to go for you. Right. I also didn't know that that was a thing until you guys came to the salon because I thought, I mean, it's essentially, it's an apprenticeship program, but I didn't think that that was a thing in this industry. So that was all news to me. I knew I was going to need more training after beauty school because I hate to say it. I know this is not encouraging, but you really don't learn anything in beauty school. I'm so sorry to say that you can cut it out (laughs) if you want, but you don't learn anything except for how to pass your boards. And you learn how to do a haircut nobody does, a finger yeah. weight. Like, it just, I knew, I knew I was going to need a lot more work after. And I was like, all right, well, I guess this was step one and I'll figure out what step two is later. So yeah, I would say that the program was like a godsend. <laughs> it's a nice way to put it. Yeah. And I mean, it, it might be different in other states, right? Like we don't know about other places, state boards, but I would assume that at least within this country, probably most of the state boards are, are pretty similar where most beauty schools are teaching you just how to pass your state boards. It's kind of like high school, how they're teaching a curriculum based on passing the state exams. Exactly. Um, there are some schools that do go above and beyond and really do instill an incredible education. And those students graduate like maybe more talented than, than a lot of hairdressers I know. Um, yeah. But those are few far and in between, right? So you went to kind of like a run in the mill beauty school. They taught you how to pass your steep board and you knew from the get go that like this was not enough skill to create beautiful hair. Yeah. And I had some great teachers, but it's just not enough information. Right. And you go through it so quickly. Uh, My program was a year because I did Saturdays. Some people that go full time, it's like nine months. It's not enough time. Seven and a half months. And I went Friday. I don't remember what time we started, eight or nine AM until like four forty five PM. Yeah. It's like a pretty quick kind of program, you know? Yeah. So, so obviously there's going to be more to learn. <laughs> I would think that a lot of people, and this, this is making an assumption, um, graduating school, maybe, maybe they don't know that they don't have all the skills, right? Like they feel ready to go. Like maybe they leave and they open a salon suite or they go to a blow dry bar and think that they're going to get everything out of the blow dry bar. And maybe they only learn how to blow dry, right? Or whatever, because I feel like unless you're going to a school that gives you a lot of direction and kind of has some job placement, you're kind of lost. You're like, okay, I have a pair of scissors and I learned how to apply a single process and I'm watching all these balayage videos on Instagram and YouTube and I'm ready to go. And Mm -hmm. I just want to emphasize how important training was to your career. And you were lucky to find a salon that did offer a program like that, but we are not the only ones. And I think it's unfortunate that more people don't realize that there are salons out there that offer training programs and stick to their word, offer you the training that they promise, and then also offer you a chair in the salon. Yeah, I think it's hard to weed through um, the people who are just making these empty promises. But actually, I shouldn't say that because when I walked into our salon, and I don't mean to promote our salon so much, but... When I walked through those doors, I could just tell it was more professional than the rest. This was not going to be one of those salons where they're like, okay, yeah, we're just going to do this and then blah, blah, blah. Like, and it's all BS. You know, it was like, there was an actual 
plan written like paperwork like a company it's a business <laughs> you know what I mean like these were like real things it wasn't just like this flowery kind of like okay yeah we'll give you some training whatever whatever it was like a well thought out detailed plan written down on paper created with a consulting company who does this professionally like this was the next level you know so it was like obvious that this was not going to be another false promise it must have felt so refreshing yes right. and it was a big relief <laughs> yeah yeah so okay so you went through the program it was everything you thought it would be right what i want to talk about well you did it in just under a year because of pandemic and unforeseen mm -hmm. circumstances. And it would have yep. been a little bit quicker, but I think most of us lost at least three months of our life that year. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like still 2020 in my head. Like I, I literally can't remember out what year it is anymore. <laughs> so what I want to talk about is, so not only skills, because that's obvious, but I think let's just say there's any listeners out there that are new in the industry, like kind of like how I started, right? Like new in the industry or stuck or whatever it may be. Let's talk about the skills that you learned that aren't just technical, right? Did you learn how to build a clientele and how did your confidence levels change from the beginning to the end? And then also from the end of it until now. Okay. That's a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. I can, um, I can repeat that. So, <laughs> definitely. Um, the one about building a clientele, I feel like there were actual specific ways to measure how to get people to come back, how to ensure that you're providing the best service for them to make them even want to come back. Um, I think pre-booking is huge. I think giving them a thorough consultation every time they come in and making them feel like they're not just like the routine, like, oh, hey, Sally, we're just doing the same old thing. Like, you know what I mean? Or not even asking and just going and mixing their color or starting to do their blowout or their haircut without asking them anything. So I think um, a lot of the skills about retaining clients and building clients have to do with just regular customer service things, but specific to the industry. So, you know, I don't know if you, since the last time I saw you two months ago, if you want to make a huge change in your hair, like obviously I have to check in with you and see what's new with you and see if there's anything different that you want to do. So um, I think making people aware that you care is a big way to, it's about building the relationship. It's not just about, you know, scheduling their next appointment. It's about the actual feely things about it, yeah. <laughs> you know, taking an interest in who they are as a person. Yeah. And I think that's like a, an underlying reason that a lot of us get into this industry other than just like making people feel pretty is like the human connection that we yeah. get to have that we're so fortunate that we get to have in this industry. But I'm sure some of those things were like very natural to you, but some of those things were also taught right through you seeing your educator do it through it. Um, being explained to you, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of those skills, I would assume are things that people don't even realize they need to have without being told and shown that they need to right. have it. Right. Yeah. One of the major things that I learned was um, when something doesn't go right, you don't have to just pretend that that didn't happen. You can like <laughs> be transparent with your client and be like, Hey, I feel like your glaze didn't take the way I wanted it to. Like, let's do it again. Let's try it again. Like, what, how do you feel about it? You know, I had yeah. that happen the other day. I did this highlight. I have this like new technique that I've been doing for highlights that I like saw on Instagram or whatever. <laughs> so I've been doing this like new technique and I was like, I'm getting all like cocky about my new technique or whatever. And it came out like really stripey and she wanted a natural look. So I did this glaze and I'm like, all right, the glaze should take care of that. It's going to like, you know, tone everything down. And then she'll have this built in, like really light color. So we can always like do different things in the future. I'm like all excited about it. Well, the glaze was too light. So she, I sit her in my chair. I take the towel off of her head and I'm like, what do you think about your color? This is a, a question that I've learned to ask instead of inserting my own opinion in there. It through the training program, somebody told me you should ask them what they think. So I asked her, well, how do you feel about your, your color? She's like, well, it's a little lighter than I thought it was going to be. I was like, okay, good. Me too. We're going to do your haircut. 
we're going to glaze you again and someone else is going to blow you out and everything's going to be all better. Well, by the end of that service, I had not only gained her as a client to come back to me in the future, but she said she was also going to bring her daughter to me because I showed her that A, you're not going to hurt my feelings if you tell me the truth and B, anything that happens can be fixed. So now I gained her trust and that's how you build a clientele. And it's not this abstract thing where it's like, oh, you have to build their trust. There are actual ways to build their trust. (laughs) Yeah. I actually think that's really incredible. I like kind of sort of almost have the chills (laughs) because I love this industry and I love everything you just said. And it's truly things that I think people don't always know. I think some people just like know it innately for sure. Um, But it's things that people don't always know people, things that people don't always think about and might not learn, might not if they're not in some kind of detailed training program. And also maybe if they're not part of a team, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If you're not surrounded by like-minded people with a culture, with professionalism, I don't know how else you could learn those things. And maybe, maybe we're biased because we do come from a commission salon. Um, But I truly believe that being part of a team has made me the stylist that I am today. And without the team behind you, there probably wouldn't have been such a great training program. I totally right. agree. In fact, the day that that happened, my educator that I followed through the program was in the salon and I told her the story and she was saw my client was checking out and she said that she thought that that was really amazing that I was able to get comfortable enough because like we said, petrified on day one and then you come this far to tell your client okay, we both don't like your color. Let's fix it. Like, that's a big leap, you know? And my educator was like, did you pre-book her next appointment? And I said, (laughs) no. And she literally pushed me towards the front desk and said, go pre-book her next appointment because you have to also seal the deal. And that's where I sometimes still don't. You have to follow through. I gained her trust. She told me she wants her daughter to come and see me. Now just go make her next appointment. Make sure she comes back and doesn't forget or meet someone else or whatever it is, you know? It's yeah. not about pressuring them. It's about letting them know, I want you as a client because I like you and they like you back and it's a mutual re- relationship, you know? So it's, it's important- Gate number two. Clients, totally. <laughs> it's important for your clients to know that you like them and you like doing their hair. Yeah. That's something I learned in the program too. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. (laughs) Disclaimer, I was not her educator. Um, So, and I mean that, like I I wasn't being sarcastic. Okay. So now let's get into the confidence levels. You know, from my experience, when someone is new and kind of going into a training program, maybe they have confidence, maybe they don't, maybe they think they have confidence and then it comes out that they don't have as much as they thought. You know, confidence is definitely so super important when you're doing hair because it's how you present yourself. It's how you come off. It's how you feel about the work that you're doing. It's how you feel about, um, did I ask the right questions? Was my consultation thoroughly enough? All those things. So, you know, we could be talking about confidence in, in any way, but one of the things that I value about a training program is seeing someone's confidence change from beginning to end and for them to know that when they're done with a training program, no matter who sits in their chair, and I think you said something like this before, but they can handle it. Like maybe it's a bob and maybe they don't feel like they do the best bob in the world, but like at least they know where to start and where to finish and that it won't be the worst haircut of that person's life. So (laughs) let's talk a little bit about how your confidence changed from the beginning of the training program to the end. Yeah. Um, it changed so much. Like, I don't even know if I could put it into words, how, how drastically it has changed. Um, when I was in the program and working on some clients, I was still really nervous. I had this big hang up about them knowing that I was an assistant or had just been an assistant. And I felt like that was kind of messing with my, confidence a little bit. Um, so in that sense, it was a little bit difficult to like make the transition. Um, but then once I made the transition and I was on the floor and I was meeting people who didn't necessarily know my history, didn't necessarily know I was brand new on the floor, but I think they could still sense my hesitancy in some way. So I think the confidence comes 
I mean, it's something we talked about a lot in the program, but it really only comes over time, doing the same thing over and over and over again. Day one, doing blowouts on the floor, even though I had all that previous training through the program and before I even worked at the salon, um, I was still nervous because somebody's paying for a service that I'm performing. And yesterday I was an assistant and today I'm a hairstylist and I don't feel like a hairstylist. I feel like an imposter. I had serious imposter syndrome, seriously bad. So, you know, after doing the same thing over and over and over again and gaining that muscle memory, I think that's for me where a lot of the confidence came in. Same thing with color. I was terrified to formulate somebody's color when I was new on the floor. I had no idea, like, there are so many colors and you have to mix them together and I don't know what to do and how do I know if it's going to match? What if it doesn't cover? And there's so many factors to think about. And then you do it and you do it and you do it and you do it a hundred times. And then you start to realize this isn't so scary. The science that I was taught in the program is valid. Like if I just follow the formula, my BFF, that's what I call it, the blueprint for formulation. You know, if you just, if I just, and all of those tools that I was taught in the program, I used on the floor. I used to take out a piece of paper. I used to write down their existing level. I did the whole thing every time. And that got me through when I was like panicking. So in a sense, those things gave me the confidence as well to build and to get through those really scary times until I could do it a hundred times. And then all of a sudden somebody comes in and I have to formulate their color and I'm not scared. And one day you're like, Oh, that's interesting. Now I'm not scared. That's cool. I like that. I like that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it literally happened to me like that. When I was afraid of doing highlights, something happened in the universe. Every freaking day I had a highlight client and every day I was literally having miniature panic attacks. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to look. I don't know what this is going to look like. And then all of a sudden one day I had a highlight client and I wasn't scared. And that's how it happened, you know? And it's like, you can have the information to fall back on, which is comforting, but it, it really just takes time for me. I don't know. Like you said, some people come out of the gate and they're like, I'm ready. Like they're confident or they're confident in one, maybe not the other. It's hard to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have to agree. Um, I think you and I are similar in a lot of ways, but also very different in a lot of ways. So I do agree because- I was always someone that had confidence, but looking back, I only thought that I had confidence, right? Like I can look back at like eight, nine years ago and be like, I thought I was so confident then, but Mm -hmm. the the things that I feel I have the power to say and do now, because I'm that much more confident. And that, like you said, that's only from doing it over and over and over again, muscle memory, you do things and you do them right. And they come out right. And then you're like, man, I know what I'm doing. And that builds that confidence that now I'm like, oh no, I was a mess. I was a mess then. And I just thought that I felt good about what I was doing. Um, totally agree. And I didn't go through an in-depth training program, uh, like what we offer now. So, you know, a lot of my confidence came from like a fake it till you make it. Meanwhile, I feel like where you started And then where you ended in the training program, literally from that like overnight to like now I'm an assistant and tomorrow I'm a stylist. um, I feel like the program probably got you halfway, right? So that like when you did start to panic, you were like, I do have the tools. I do know what I'm doing. Now I just need to get there, right? And then from repetition, it brought you the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And in those moments of panic, I was really, really grateful that I had those tools And I could just say, all right, it's time to take a deep breath. The client is sitting there. You have to formulate this color. Now you have to do whatever you have to do to figure it out. Sometimes that meant asking somebody for help. One of our other educators in the program, countless times I have asked for her help because she has this very calm demeanor. She's not going to give you a lot of options. She's going to say, well, this is what I would do. And a lot of times I would just go based on that recommendation alone because I know that you, you guys have the tools, the, the experience, all of the things that if it's good enough for you to do it, then it's good enough for me to do it. And I always <laughs> learn something from that experience. It's not like I just said, okay, can you help me formulate this color? And then I just put the color on their head and, and called it a day. I always learn something from it. It's 
so nuanced. It's so, there's so many different things. It's so multifaceted. It's like a lot. It's a lot, you know? Isn't what we do so exciting? It's so exciting. It really (laughs) is. It's like really freaking amazing. Like, I think it's crazy. I think it's crazy that I stepped in shit and I ended up in this business and I ended up at this salon and I ended up doing this thing that is not just what people used to think like about hairdressers, like the way our boss says, like the way it used to be where they were like, Oh, you're just a hairdresser. You know what I mean? Like this is a different world that we're in, you know? Yeah. It's so awesome. I think about that. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about skills and your confidence. um, And now you've been on the floor for what? um, About a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Right. I have seen you grow tremendously in confidence, in ability, and in your service timing. Right. <laughs> like all of yes, those things. Yes. Oh my God. Um, yes. The timing, all the timing. Yeah. In the beginning, that was a really <laughs> big source of stress. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, going from like a 45 minute blowout to a 20 minute blowout is, uh, you know, pretty intense. So, I mean, I know like we've been touching on it anyway, but how has your time on the floor for a year and a half, how do you feel being part of a team has benefited you being like Um, new on the floor? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have been able to do this without the team. Um, And that's not like some woo woo nonsense about like our team, whatever. Like I literally would not have been able to grow in the time that I grew to the level that I've gotten to without the help of literally every single person in that salon. And we have a big staff. How many stylists do we have? Like 20 something. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's around 20, give or take. Every single person in that salon has helped me with something. If I had opened a suite or tried to do clients on the side, do this under the table nonsense, who do you ask for help? It's like just reaching into the dark and pulling something out and being like, I hope this works. It would just be like taking the test without reading the book. Like you need the knowledge, you know? So I think that I don't even know how I would have begun without the structure and without the help of a team, because it just would have been like doing hair in the dark. That's a pretty good analogy. For real. (laughs) For real though. No, I'm serious. I'm trying to think of, because even like people in the beginning always ask you like, oh, like when you're starting out, like, oh, can you do my color, whatever, whatever. I didn't even know what color line to buy. You know what I mean? Like in beauty school, we used a color line that I don't think is great. And I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to yuck someone's yum, but I just didn't, I didn't like it. And then it's like, if you don't have any other knowledge, then you don't even know where to begin. You know, you're just like kind of in a store buying things. It's like, I know as much as the person asked me to do their hair knows at that point, you know what I mean? It's so overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. There's way too many things out there. So yeah, I think it would have just been like impossible. I totally get that. Like for me, just kind of like touching on what you just said, like you wouldn't even know where to begin. It's like for me, and I'm sure for you, the benefits of working in a salon where there's a team and there's someone in charge which I'm thankful every day. Yeah. I am not in charge as much as I think I'm in charge. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Because like all those decisions are made for you. And totally agree. You just get to come in and be your best self and like hang out with people that feel like friends, whether that's your client or your coworker. I totally agree. Um, I think all the time I do. I'm so glad that I never tried to do one of those suites. I, I don't think that's for me. I don't want to run the whole business. I like having a desk. I like that they answer the phone. I like that they talk to the clients. We have assistants that help us associates. We have our management team. Like, I don't know. It's too many hats for one person to wear. Yeah. And just in case, cause I do want to say it, there have been people who are very successful at owning a suite and working in a suite. Oh, yeah. um, but I do think that it takes a certain type of person to be very successful at that, especially if they're starting from scratch. So a thousand percent. Yes. Yes. And I'm not that person. Clearly I mean, you and I are not built that way. I don't want to yeah. stressed out all the time. Like some people are so organized. They could just handle all that stuff and doesn't stress them out. If I tried to do that, I would literally be stressed out 24 seven. Yeah. 
I don't think you or I would have made it <laughs> anywhere. Not, <laughs> not even like out the front door. <laughs> so this has been really great. And I didn't prepare you for this. And I literally just thought of it one minute ago. So to kind of like conclude, can you give me, I'm going to go with the number five, but like you can make up your own number if you want to. Can you give me the top five things that people who are new to the industry should not be looking for in a salon, like red flags, and then the top five things they should be looking for in a salon? Yeah, definitely. I think there might be more than five, but... Well, you can give me more than five, but five is about like a fancy number. Fancy. Um, (laughs) Five red flags to watch out for would be... hmm. Well, I think the number one, (laughs) the number one thing in any relationship, this has nothing to do with business, but anyone who gaslights you, if you go home thinking like, I didn't do anything wrong. Why did that person treat me like I did something wrong? You're not wrong. Okay. So number one red flag to look for in any situation in life, but in a hair salon as well, no gaslighting. Absolutely not. Not okay. Agreed. Toxic. Walk away. Um, False promises but they're very hard to spot. I mean, a lot of people, they mean well, you know, they want to do education, but I would say if someone's promising you education, maybe ask as many questions as you can come up with. Like at our salon, we have a schedule and we know that there are certain times of year where we don't do classes because it's really busy. And then there are other times of year where we do tons of classes because we have the time. So I would ask as many questions as you can about what the education schedule is like Like, do you guys do it on a certain night of the week? How many do you do a year? Do you bring out an outside education as well? Or is it just from within the salon? But I would look out for if somebody doesn't have a clear picture of what their in-house education is, then I would say that's a red flag. I feel Um, like that's a really smart way of going about that because you're right. It could be really hard to spot because in my experience, everybody does promise it. Yeah. But not everybody delivers. Yeah, totally. And I've also had like my first salon, they never said they were not a salon who claims to do education. They're not going to beauty schools doing demos. That's just not, that's not the world that they're in. They started before all of that stuff was a thing. So like in that sense, there was no lie there, but yeah, anyone who's promising it, I would definitely try to get more information out of them. Okay. Um, That's two red flags. Oh. Well, this is kind of an aside. At the Nightmare Salon, Salon Nightmare, we'll call it, they also told me that they would be deducting an hour's pay from every day. So they clock you out in the middle of the day for a lunch break, whether you take it or not. Sounds illegal. Uh, Red flag. I would definitely look out for the red flag of anything that sounds illegal. (laughs) Um, that's kind of a weird one. That's, I think maybe specific to me, but I think that there are some things that are done in every industry, but definitely in ours as well, that people try to do things in this backwards way to try to like, make it look like they're all on the up and up and then they're not on the up and up. So I would say that's definitely a red flag. Um, I would say another red flag is if somebody just throws you in with absolutely no training and just basically wants you to like figure it out, that may work for some people, but I don't think that's the best way to go about anything. So anyone who says like, I mean, fake it till you make it is one thing. I think that's more about confidence than anything else. It's not about like actually doing a service that you don't know how to do. Mm-hmm. So anyone who's encouraging you to do anything that you don't have the training for, the confidence for, You know, if it's something you need to be certified in or something like that, definitely want to do everything on the legal side of things. You know, anyone who's encouraging you to practice without a license, anything like that, anything that's a little bit shady. Yeah. Red flag for sure. Yeah. And then definitely um, a toxic, there, there are some toxic people in our industry and in every industry, but I've dealt with some actual bullies, which is <laughs> insane that a 30 year old woman was bullied by a 60 year old man in a, in a hair salon that, that happened and, um, maybe should have been dealt with, but you get a lot of that kind of like, Oh, you know how they are red flag. Anyone who yeah. says that sentence, 
red flag. Um, I hope that wasn't too messy. Maybe in some post-production, you can cut that together in some way that sounds better. Um, and then let's do five things that you think people should be looking for that should be valued when looking for um, a job at a beauty school. Um, I would say if you're looking for education, that you should definitely look for a place that has some sort of program in place where it's ironed out and they've done it before. And it's not like, you know, you're the new, you're the guinea pig. You don't want to be the guinea pig anywhere. So definitely a place that can kind of like put their money where their mouth is and show you like, okay, yeah, no, we have an actual written program that you can review. And, you know, this is, this is our plan and this is our schedule. You know, that's something I would look for sooner than I did. Um, at our salon, there is a lot of talk about how to grow your own individual business within the larger business that you're part of. And I think that that's really important. It shows that they're invested, that they care about you as a person and your growth financially, professionally, and in your skill. Um, so I think that that's a really important thing personally for me that I found. And they're always really comfortable to share numbers. They give you goals. I'm very goal oriented. So when somebody tells me this is what you need to do, it's a lot easier for me to achieve that if it's really like laid out for me. Um, a third thing I would look for, and this is personal also, is structure. Um, some people are afraid of structure. Some people get into this business because they don't want structure. I'm not talking about that kind of structure. I mean, having systems in place, it's like knowing what's expected of you. Um, this is how long it should take you to do this service. Like everything was very transparent. When we went through the program, we talked a lot about timing and about, you know, in the beginning, you're going to be slower and then you're going to build up and build up and build up. But this is eventually where you need to land. And by the end of the program, we had to be hitting those service timings. It was part of our test out, which holds you accountable. So structure and accountability is something that I definitely value in our place of work. Right. And all of those systems. Mm -hmm. I do think it really kind of holds a a good salon together. Totally. I totally agree. Um, I would say this is kind of a strange one, but um, when we had that motivational speaker the other day, he said something about our salon having strong branding, which I think actually speaks to the professionalism of the entire salon. I know that you had a big thing about the coasters having the salon's name on it. And I- I always like got that from the beginning. Like I know a lot of people probably don't get it, but it's like they care enough to get their name printed on the coasters, on the bags, on, you know, and it just shows that there's a commitment to this business. It's not just like somebody slapped a sign on the outside and said, okay, grand opening. Like, no, this is a business that is invested in creating a luxury experience, but also like a certain level of professionalism. Um, one more, one more. Let's think. I think you should like the people that work there. It sounds so simple, but I think you really should like the people. Like you should want to go there every day. That's the point of doing something that you love for a living, right? So yeah. you should yeah. you should like the people and the people should be your people. Like enough of your people that you're like, ah, huh, I'm looking forward to seeing Simone later. You know, that kind of thing. And I guess that's kind of the opposite of having a toxic work, like the red flag that we were talking yeah. about. It's kind of like having a positive work environment. So I would look for just a general kind of like happy people work here kind of vibe. Yeah. Like a welcoming environment, whatever that may be to you. Yeah, totally. Okay. I love that. Yeah. And to wrap things up, I like to end every episode on a few questions. So I need to know, Stephanie. How do you take your coffee? Oh, oh my God. This is a hard question for me. I am a weird person and I do not drink my coffee the same every day. I try to drink my coffee black and then I get bored with it. I am a coffee creamer addict. I'm actually in recovery right now. (laughs) I'm off coffee creamer. (laughs) But if I was going to Starbucks, it would always, always be a soy latte. Hmm. Um, And... Normally, when I'm interviewing a client, the questions are slightly different, Uh, but being that you are a stylist, we're going to change it up a little bit. So that was question one, which 
should never change. Um, and the next question is going to be, can you tell me the weirdest thing a client has ever done to you or with you around you, you know? Um, okay. Someone actually asked me this question the other day and I don't know if this is an appropriate story. So you do not have to, I can come up with something else, but I'm going to give you the story. Um, I was talking to a client. She was telling me that she read this book called the midnight library. And I said, Oh, that's so funny. My therapist just recommended that book to me. And she said, it's about depression. Are you depressed? And I was like, um, no, I guess. And it was so uncomfortable. I just didn't know what to say because it's like, how could you say that to somebody? <laughs> that is weird. Like, I feel like, I mean, I wasn't there, but I feel like it she was, was so like, judging. judging you. Yeah. Like yes. judging you for like, and like, I almost want to say to that question, like, isn't everybody right? Like, that's literally what everybody? I wanted to say. <laughs> I was like, I low-key am kind of depressed, but like now I don't want to tell you because you're mean. <laughs> like, and now I'm even more depressed. Thank you. Exactly. And I hope I never see you again. <laughs> um, and then to end it on a happy note, the opposite of depression. <laughs> Can you name the best client experience you've ever had? I have a lot of clients that I really love um, already, and I haven't even been on the floor that long. Um, the best client experience. Okay, I have something. I have a client who was diagnosed with skin cancer, and she came into the salon right after it happened. Actually, it just so happened that she was diagnosed with skin cancer on the same day that her mother died. So she was like having a rough one to say the very least. And she was really, really stressed out that she was going to have this spot removed right on her forehead. And it just so happened to be like right where she parts her hair and in a really obvious spot. And I wouldn't say that she's vain in any way. This is just something that anyone would be concerned about. And, um, we came up with a plan. We decided that we were going to give her little curtain bangs and just change her part to the other side. And she was so relieved by the end of her appointment. And it just made me feel so happy that just doing something so silly, like changing her part and cutting a little side bang could like just, it basically took all of her anxiety away about having this surgery done. So it was really nice. That's really adorable. And I yeah, love that that's really like a standout moment for you. And that's what this is all about, isn't it? Yeah, it that's, really is. That's like wonderful. She's one of my favorite clients. I'm always so happy to see her. And don't you love those? I really do. I love all yeah. my clients. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> it's a little bit of a problem, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that. And thank you for um, sharing your journey and your experience. I feel like it was pretty personal, kind of intimate. Um, but I really do believe that this type of situation can really help people who are wandering aimlessly or do have an aim and just don't know where to start. I think that these kind of conversations are really important for the people who are successful or who are happy, right? Because we can define su success as happiness to share what worked for them to help guide other people. So thank you, Steph. Of course, anytime. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you again for listening to the Coffee and Foils podcast. If you loved what you heard and want more, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and most importantly, share. My mission is to help other stylists improve their guest experiences by hearing the client's perspective, and I need your help to make that happen. As always, follow me for podcast updates at Coffee and Foils podcast on Instagram and DM me with any questions or ideas you may have. Thank you and see you next Monday.